0: Guardian Unlimited. Guardian Unlimited. The Rugby World Cup show. Sponsored by Magnus. Time to play. Go to magnuscider.com.
1: Well, hello and welcome to the Guardian Unlimited Rugby World Cup show. With me, Ian Payne. Part two, I suppose you could say, with the hosts beaten. The All Blacks, Australia, South Africa. Rampant Southern Hemisphere doing what everyone expected them to do. The defending champions being not... Defending champions. Lots to talk about. We want your views and opinions too. Uh, your blog posts always welcome. Thanks to all of you who have already done that, by the way. And you can do that at blogs.guardian.co.uk forward slash sport. Loads of uh, varied opinion to hear about tonight from all sorts of people, both from this side of the channel and the other. Um, alongside me, I've got uh, George Chesterton from The Guardian newspaper in Paris, a colleague of his, Rob Kitson, who's the chief rugby writer from The Guardian, a sports pundit from New Zealand, no less, Jed, who's been doing an alternative commentary, which I'll ask him all about later on. And also I'm delighted to say, uh, joining us on the phone, uh, Thomas Castagnier, the former French three-quarter and... and Thomas, I must ask you first of all what the feeling is in France uh, among all French men and women about that opening night. Uh, How do you feel about it now?
2: Well, everybody is very disappointed, you know, especially, I think, the players, because uh, it was supposed to be a big big party, you know, after this game. And and suddenly, you know, everything fell down because we lost against Argentina. And uh, I spoke with some of the players before the game and they were very confident. Uh, they knew that they were physically uh, okay, you know, and uh, and, uh, and tactically they worked really hard during the summer. Um, and by playing against uh, Wales and England, you know, and have been successful, I think they were very confident. But, uh, you know, playing against Argentina is not easy. Uh, we had a bad uh, record. Uh, we lost uh, four of our last five games against Argentina. And on that day, you know, we uh, we never managed to put our game in place. And the Argentine played really well. They were very consistent, very physically, you know, there. And uh, us, you know, we we were um, all the time on the defensive, uh, on the defence. And uh, it was hard, you know, to put our game in place.
1: Do you think that there'll be many changes uh, before France play their next game, which is against Namibia?
2: Oh, Definitely, because uh, the French team, they will have to change many things to be competitive and... Uh, uh even if uh, you know some uh, of the players thought that they they made the any uh, everything um already everything you know to to be first choices i think now the 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 the, the keys are in the hand of uh, of the coaches and they will have to redo everything um i think we um uh, we need some a guy like Michalak, like, you know, someone who can bring some uh, some speed in our game, you know, and is 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 one of the guy you know can change the game by himself. And I think that uh, that's what, what we're missing, you know, in that game against Argentina because they had this kind of player, Argentina with Hernandez, dot and call and or us, you know, we never had any guys, you know, who could change the speed of the game, and I think Michelac, and probably Elisabeth, you know, will be the two guys, two main guys, you know, to do that.
1: Well, Rob Kitson is the chief rugby writer for <laughs> The Guardian. Rob, what's the feeling? You're in Paris. What's the feeling in the, in the capital and the country as a whole after that first night?
0: <laughs> well, I think I think a fair amount of air has gone out of the balloon. Uh, it, it's it's nice, <laughs> to hear, nice to hear Thomas, um, Thomas there. I mean, it, it's... It's, it was a heck of a letdown if, if you're a French or um, you know, any any connection with, with the team. I mean, I think I think he's absolutely right. They, you know, France. It just you could almost see their brows furrowing with the concentration. We can't get it wrong. We can't get it wrong. And of course, they got it wrong in a big way. Argentina, you know, had far less pressure on themselves. They played fantastically well for that first half hour. Set them, gave themselves a platform, and uh, and you know they had their teeth into, into into France, if you like, and never let go.
1: Thomas, do you feel that um, that, that France have learned a great deal from that first match, or did they get exactly what they they thought they would get from Argentina?
2: Yeah, but I think it, you know the World Cup is not the best place to learn. I think you should <laughs> learn during the four years before the World Cup, and and when you arrive to the World Cup, you should you should you should be really sh- be really sure you know about what you're doing. And uh, I think losing the first game at home shows some weaknesses to the opponents because um, the the goal of the of the management was one, they wanted to show the world of rugby that Paris was our place and it was going to be hard to to win there. And if you lose in the first game, you know, I think the other teams will think, oh, if Argentina did it, why wouldn't we? And uh, so, for France now, it's a uh, it's it's a big uh, it's a big thing too. Because for in the head of the player, you know, they will have to go ahead from that and to think that uh, you know the the, the pressure is uh, is not too big. But you know, all around them, people will speak to them all day long. You know about the next game, the next big game that will be against the island. and that will be you know much more uh, pressure on that game than the game against Argentina. So I think for the players it will be hard to manage, but. The French, you know, as, as, uh, as, uh, as I said to, to a friend of mine, you know, with the French, uh, you never know you know, what's going to happen. And that's, There's only the French to put themselves in that kind of situation. But there's only the French who can survive on that. So I hope that we will do like we did in '99 when we stopped the World Cup, you know, very badly. And finally we managed to go to the final. So maybe there's some hopes in that, but it's going to be very difficult.
1: Certainly is. I just want to bring in Jed. He's, he's nodding and smiling there. He's a sports pundit from New Zealand as in an alternative... <laughs> Commentator, you've actually got a gig in one of the the London pubs, haven't you? In Clapham, yeah, that's right, Clapham Grand. Right, so you you have the commentary, or rather, you have the pictures of the New Zealand game, or whatever game it happens to do, and you do your own alternative commentary on the game. That's right,
3: yeah, yeah, for not only the audience inside the venue, but also. Uh, an audience listening online as well.
1: Right, and what kind of um, reaction has there been in New Zealand to the fact that France, who everyone thought possibly was going to play New Zealand in the final, has lost the very first game? Well, probably a good point
3: Good point to pick up on, as uh, Thomas said, is that there's only one team in the history of world rugby can turn around, host the World Cup and lose the opening game, but equally only one team can then turn around and probably make the final again, and that's that's France. They are the true free radicals of international international rugby. Uh, just a a complete enigma and I think they proved that against Argentina. There's absolutely no reason in the world why they shouldn't have uh, beaten Argentina. They've got the personnel, they've got the resources they had the form going into the match Uh, they certainly had all the motivation Uh, clearly they had the confidence but uh, where did it all go? Uh, It left me feeling a wee bit nervy because now come Cardiff we could be staring down the barrel of an all-black France game and uh, I'd prefer that it was some other time. You want to <laughs> you want
1: to avoid that, <laughs> yeah. Thomas. One, one, a lot of the a lot of the comments that were made, Thomas, in the papers and and from other people um, on the television and radio after the French game was, what's happened to the French flair? What's happened when when you were playing? You know, it was the backs who were the stars, not necessarily the forwards. This seems to be a very strong, big, tough, bullocking sort of a French side. Where's all the cavalier spirit gone?
2: Well, to be honest, I think in that game we didn't have really any attacking position. We never, we never attacked really, really on scrums and lineouts because I think the the were very disruptive, you know, in the in the in the in the in the scrums and the lineouts. So that was really hard for us. Um, and well, the the game didn't start well, and I, I think we never managed, you know, to put some speed into that game, one or two times. We usually try to to bring something from the back. Aman's, you know, one time made a good break, but you know at This game, if you don't manage to keep the ball in hand, you cannot win. And uh, at this level, you know, especially when you play Argentina, which is now, I think, one of the best team in the world of rugby, you cannot manage to to do that kind of mistake. And that's what we did. So you know, it was it was hard for us. And uh, um, I think a game, you know, is sometimes you know it can go on your side or on the other side. And sometimes there's some bounce, you know, goes on your way. But on that day, you know, it was a, an interception, you know, from uh, Coleto was magnificent. But this this pass from Marte could have gone to the other way. So. You know, for the French, it's, it's a disappointment, but, but we should have the margin, you know, for, to, to win that game. If we want to be world champion, we need to have this, this margin. And, uh, and uh, we didn't an have on, that on that day, you know, against Argentina. So it's a bit uh, uh, frustrating for us. And I think there's, there's not so many bad points, you know, coming out from that game.
1: Well, it's going to be fascinating to see how the French react and how they come back from that game. Thomas, thank you very much for sparing us the time to talk to us. And uh, good luck in the next rounds.
2: The, only, the last thing I would say is uh, be careful with the French. You never know what can happen. <laughs> no, I, knew, I knew he'd say that. It's exactly what it's exactly what Jed was saying. Thank you very much.
1: <laughs> it's so predictable. It's crazy people. It could be it could be
0: worse for Thomas. He could be English, of course. You know? Okay.
1: Well, I was gonna as I as I, as I waved au revoir to uh, to Thomas Castaigne, I was gonna say hello to Rob Kitson in Paris and and say you know you don't want to intrude on private grief, but goodness me, I mean you were at that England USA game. And quite frankly, everybody has already written England off if they hadn't before, and that was just well. You you give us the adjective.
0: <laughs> well, I I tell you what, it reminded me of you know you know when sort of plays open up on Broadway and uh, and the, and the critics go to see it and they give it an absolute panning, and these these things last about one night. It was it was that sort of opening opening night. They were absolutely appalling. I mean, they really, really, really ponderous, sort of turgid rugby. The, the sort of thing that you know we haven't. We've seen some, you know, some bad days. It's got to be said since uh, 2003, when they won the World Cup. But it, you know, again, considering the opposition were, we're amateurs, you know, the sort of uh, clubs they were playing for. There's uh, the guy who scored the try was from Park City Haggis in Utah. Um, so you know, we're we're talking serious serious stuff here. And I, I you know, it, 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 it is easy enough to to be, you have to laugh, I suppose, in many ways. But. Um, Put it this way, I don't. I think. I think anybody who um, who watched that and uh, well, put it this way, they didn't get as much uh, entertainment as they got from X Factor or something, I guess, which was uh, shunted out of the way for it.
1: <laughs> exactly. What well, George Chesterton's here in the studio from the Guardian as well, and, and you watched that game. Um, this was this was the same United States team that the England second team, the Churchill mm. team, put nine tries
4: past. What what, what happened? What, what worries me about this England side is the terrible problems we've got in the backs in that there's no one with any pace apart from Jason Robinson, who's obviously at the end of his career really so he's slowing down anyway and there's just no um you can tell that the relationships between the backs it, it, they're just not firm they don't really understand how they how they, how they're playing together they don't there've been so many changes in, in half backs and when you look at someone like jamie noon for me he's the he's a kind of English problem made flesh he's he's not a, he's not a, <laughs> what do you mean? he's not a bad player but he's got he hasn't really got proper pace he ha- he's a great tackler
1: he wouldn't get in the all-black side is, is it, that what you're saying he's,
4: he's he's and he he's got no kind of creativity he's a good player I, but he, i just don't he's he kind of sums up the problems i think i, I
0: think i think you're big i mean J- jamie noon you know he would be the he would be the first to admit he's, he's not uh barana driscoll but then uh very few people are, but I think that personally, I think the problems you know start closer close to the pack. You know, you've got to look if, if you're a three quarter, you're only as good to an extent as the as the type of ball you're getting. Now, if you're getting just slow ball after slow ball, it's coming like. But it's know, always been at, slow yeah. for four years. out of a pot of treacle, cool, You know, I mean, back row yesterday were were, were pretty anonymous. Uh, you know, Tom Reese was okay, but. Lawrence Lalio and, and, and Joe Worsley just completely disappeared. Poor old Sean Perry was sort of caught in the you know, everything was jammed up in the works and then it was shoveled out to Barkley who made a, you know, to be fair to him, some nice breaks but there was nobody nobody helping him out. You know, it was just, it, I thought it was a collective ennui if
1: that's a, not a pompous <laughs> well, French let's word. Try and
4: I, I feel guilty for picking on Jamie Noon now. Man.
1: Well let's try and get <laughs> an, a more objective view if we can from a Kiwi if there is such a thing looking at English rugby. Yeah, when you saw yeah. that game did you think England a was, was were as poor as we all thought they were.
3: Well, I think the highly technical term that leaps to mind when I watch England at the moment is rubbish.
1: Absolute rubbish. Why? Why are they so rubbish?
3: Set face. The lack of lack of real competitiveness up front at the moment. Uh, and it, you know, it also goes back to the point being made about your three quarters sitting there wondering what they're going to do when they get the ball going backwards. Um, this is an English team now that really is quite happy to try and grind out, and I mean, seriously, grind out bones to dust and maybe pinch a you know, sneaker, we win here and there. Not too dislimited the way that I, that they came across the win in two thousand. Well, I was going to say, I mean, From the world's most boring escape of rugby union ever. The um, final. Yeah, clearly 100 minutes worth of yawn, and then Wilco drops it over, and that was him. It was done, it was over. Uh, we beat
1: the man who beat the men
3: that's correct yeah just remind, just remind me where,
1: where, where were the
3: Kiwis that day I <laughs> yeah. can't remember was... we were all sitting we were all sitting in the member stand mate <laughs> yeah. there,
1: there is there is something that everybody knew this was coming with the England side didn't they didn't know They, you'd seen it coming something wasn't done after the last World Cup we didn't build on it everyone else around the world was building England weren't they were happy to sit on their laurels is there any way back do you think Rob for this England side or is it just are they just not good enough to make any impression or even get out of the group
0: I've I've got to be honest i would be very surprised if there's a way back in this World Cup I just think you know South Africa are fantastically strong I don't know if um, you saw their game their opening game against Samoa fantastically tough hard game Samoa would have smashed at most sides South Africa sort of reeled a bit but came back and and won you know by a street no so uh, you know, I think Samoa, uh, as, uh, as I've said before, I think Samoa could could really give England a hurry up as well. Uh, I, I, what I would say is, I absolutely no doubt that English rugby will will bounce back. It's a it's a question of when, which I suppose is is sitting on the fence to an extent. But they have there are a good lot of uh, wave of young players coming through. I think by uh, the 2011 World Cup, you'll have a, a really good strong uh, England team. That, a really not, good, good quarterfinal team. Yeah, that's not much <laughs> of a consolation this week. I've got to be got to be honest. You
4: get you get the feeling that. When this is all over, there will be in wholesale changes in the England side, I think. Even well,
1: there should have been wholesale changes at the end of 2003.
3: Yeah, they did, but
4: it's four years too late, but I think they will. It's, go, it's going to happen. Isn't but that? the
1: essential problem is that, that there are as many English players playing professional rugby as there are in any other country in the world... And yet they're not producing a side that's anywhere like as good as the top three or four countries in the world.
0: It's quite interesting. We're doing some, um, a little bit of number crunching, I suppose, this morning. And we worked out there's 93 players playing in France from other nations at this World Cup. So, and and England equally, we've got a lot of Kiwis, a lot of uh, Samoans, a lot of Aussies playing, uh, South Africans obviously as well, playing uh, Premiership rugby in England. And, and then you look at the f- fortunes of the two national teams. Now I don't know if that's related or not, um, but it but it's interesting that uh, you know as the, the, the club scene is fantastically strong in uh, in England in many ways, it's a thriving business as it is in France, and and yet the national team seem you know when the crunch comes on, they level off. Whether it's a, a similar problem that they had in, in cricket a few years ago, you know when um, you know the county standards were were, were sort of diluted, I, I'm not sure. But uh, it, it's it's a. It's an interesting argument at the moment, I think.
3: Well, if you're not going to dust the furniture, of course, it's going to be rough at the end of the day. I mean, 2003, like I said, you should have swept it. I mean, you look today, you've got kids like uh, this is Dominic Woldock, uh Danny Cipriani, you know, two young guys played for that uh, Saxon for the Bitna mouldy at the Churchill Cup. Outstanding prospects for the future. It was good to see, or heard that Cipriani got drafted into that World Cup squad, to, and they had a bit of a look at him. But, you know... Why leave him out? Yeah, I you think know, I, he's, he's an exciting talent. You might as well give the kid a crack. Mm. Oh. Uh,
0: it was a very strange. I, mean, I think. I think in the end, in the end, they, they took one look at the pool they were in and thought, "Hang on, yeah. South Africa, Samoa. The, these you know, 19, 20, year old kids are a, a excellent prospects, as you rightly say, but they're going to get smashed. Uh, you know, and potentially." you know, development arrested fairly spectacularly if they don't, uh, if, if we expose them to this now. And so I think they've gone for the right. We're going to front up, we'll front up physically, see if we can sneak a, a goal on the break to, to use an analogy from another sport and, um, and then rebuild, as you say, after the World Cup. Guardian Unlimited, the Rugby World Cup show, sponsored by Magnus.
1: So as I say, amongst our guests, uh, we have uh, Jed, who's a sports pundit. He's also... An alternative commentator, if you go to arcrugby.co.nz, arcrugby.co.nz, you'll be able to hear the sort of things that Jed's been doing while he's over here for the World Cup. Uh, For example, he gives alternative commentary to any particular best memory of any World Cup. Now, obviously, for England fans, it's Johnny Wilkinson's famous drop goal, which gave them the World Cup in 2003 in Australia. Uh, And this is how Jed commentated on that particular wonderful moment.
3: Dawson with the ball now, looking for a decision. Off he darts. Dawson. Dawson on his own run. Into the 22 he goes. Deep into it he does. And the convicts are looking a bit shaky at the moment. Neil backs there. He's not the man you want to pass the ball. Give it to someone else. He gives it to Johnson. Johnson on the settler. Thank heavens for that. Captain Fantastics there. Now it's Dawson. No, it won't happen like this. It will happen like this. Back to Wilkinson. Onto the right foot he goes. Good night, Australia. You've got nothing. Absolutely nothing. The cupboard is bare. Clive's happy. The fans are happy. Johnny, well, he looks just a little bit confused, actually. But he's done well for a boy that lisps. Absolutely remarkable stuff from England. And surely after nearly 100 minutes of international rugby, we'll get this over and done with as quickly as we can now. Because I've seen wallpaper drying with more fun than this. The ball comes back from the restart to Wilkinson. He plants it out towards the sideline. It's over!
0: Guardian Unlimited. The Rugby World Cup Show. Sponsored by Magnus.
1: From what we've all seen so far in these first round of matches, who would we say have been the most impressive sides? I mean, obviously we're going to say the Southern Hemisphere sides, but of, of all of them, who's impressed most and why?
4: I think the only... I think you can't, you can't tell how good New Zealand are. That's... Because Italy was so bad in the first half. But an Italy
1: hour. are not a bad side. I know are they, 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 they are not a bad side. <laughs> not, and I
4: think that in a, in a way they, they they made so many errors and left so many gaps that it just played exactly into New Zealand's hands. And they were so far ahead after after half an hour that after seven minutes. Yeah, well that's well, true. Well, but I don't. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. am not. And what I mean is, it's difficult to make a judgment about New Zealand properly. Although obviously they looked amazing, but. You don't really well, thank know. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but were you, you surprised to put that many
1: points past a team that has actually got better and well, better for, year on year? Poor old
3: Italy, mate. The, f- the opening 15 minutes of the game yesterday was like the opening fifty minutes of Saving Private Ryan. There was bodies <laughs> vanishing everywhere. It was just absolutely horrific. And I don't think Italy seriously considered, you know, the potential of what was going to happen when and they stepped out. of played the, the wrong game. Really. The, you know, the Blacks got out there. They had the volume knob wound right up. All Good. of a sudden it was coming in steep and fast and hard against the Italians. And by the time they figured out what was happening, they'd been behind their own sticks half a dozen times. It was it, Look, they just got off on the wrong foot. It was a bad day for Italy. They struck the best team in the world as the Scard stand at the moment. You know, if you're going anywhere after the first round and say New Zealand's not the most impressive team, you are dreaming. No,
0: I'll 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 dream on then, because I think Argentina were fantastic in that first match. Well, you think Argentina were better than New Zealand? Well, I'm not. I'm not saying that necessarily. I'm what what I'm saying is you are. No, I'm saying that George is absolutely right. You couldn't tell. Much from that. Uh, yeah, you wouldn't
3: that, want to tell, would you? It, well, no, you couldn't tell much <laughs> I just didn't from that. Want from six weeks to go. Yeah, it's a
0: hell of a long time to go. And as we all know, you know, New Zealand <laughs> find those six weeks things, a bit tricky sometimes. Things
4: happen to New Zealand. I um,
0: um, <laughs> go back to to that game, and I, and I anybody who watched that game and watched that first half hour could not fail to be impressed. The, the, the um, Argentine pack is as good as any pack, uh, scrummage-wise, that you like to see. Line-out, a bit iffy, but, I mean, you, you, the half-back uh, sort of guile, if you like, of, of, of Peachot and uh, Contopomi in the centre and the pace outside. Like this, they, they, they played rugby just as you, as you would hope to watch it, wouldn't they? If you if you paid to watch that, you wouldn't be disappointed. Jed, you know? we, we had a,
1: we had a lot of people who uh, got in touch with us because we asked for people to, to blog us, and you can get in touch with us, by the way, blogs.guardian.com. Dot co dot forward slash sport. We had a lot of people blogging us after our last uh, conversation when we were asking why aren't Argentina in the Tri Nations? Why aren't they allowed into the Quad Nations or whatever they would call it? Is there a reason why Argentina don't play?
3: Well, well I, don't, you know, look, I reckon I reckon Argentina's probably in for, uh, Argentina's best interest to maybe lo- link up with the Northern Hemisphere outfits. To be honest, but, I mean the majority of their players are playing in France anyway. Uh, it would only mean shipping them out to New Zealand, Australia, South Africa. For you know, th- three or four games a year, just logistically, resource-wise, it. Wouldn't well, so really turn be it into it. the Seven Nations. Well, yeah, I mean, it makes all the sense in the oh. world, huh? Base, the Argentinian players are up here anyway.
0: Base, base them in Madrid or Barcelona. That's, yeah, I, I that's I've you, yeah, you, you get the I've press heard, on yeah.
3: side fairly quickly, I'm certainly,
4: saying. certainly. And what I've seen this week, I think they would probably win it. <laughs> What about
1: what, what what have we made? Uh, I'll ask Jed this later, but I'll ask you boys first. Um, Rob, what have you made of the, the Australians? I know they were up against Japan, who seem to be playing this game for so many years and just don't seem to be getting any better.
0: Well, it, yes, I mean it. It, it was. Uh, it, I have to say, I was a little bit depressed by that scoreline. You know, ninety odd points to to three. It was. Um, I thought. I have to say, you know, Australia. They do when they when they when they run when they attack. They do cut better lines than most people and. Uh, Rocky Elson looked to you know looked to be running free. It it, it, it looked all right to me. The, the bits I saw, I didn't see it all. I've got to be honest. Uh, Japan, I mean John Kerwin's just taken over. He's in the you know early first few months of his uh, his tenure, if you like. So I I think they will get better. But you you really hope. I mean it was it's uh, you really hope they get better because uh, I, I think that was wasn't the strongest team either from what I can gather. So hopefully they'll they'll get a get a bit. Uh, you know, stronger, but as the tournament goes on,
1: for you, George, do you think Australia or South Africa are on a, a you oh, know a par with New Zealand yet, or not? I think South Africa. South are the Africa. team
4: for me, really, I, I, because because I think they have the most. They have the game, the only probably the only team with the game that can really challenge New Zealand. I think. I think they have a what game is that? The, it, discipline is what you need. I think you need to have. You need to, obviously you need the physical game, but you also need to not give new zealand any chances basically i think it was,
0: it was quite interesting i was on the on the metro tonight coming um coming back uh, uh just 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 to, just a hotel and the a uh, whole lot of Springboks on the on the on the train and uh, one was saying to the other he said tell me what's the word for what's the word for confidence in afrikaans and that's what they think they've got that's what they detect in their team much more confidence they they knew they were going to beat samoa it, it might take a bit of time to to to, to, to Grind them down, but you know they—they they really feel, and they've been planning for this for a long time, as as have New Zealand. To be fair, but they really feel they got a good crack.
1: Jed, who do you, who do the New Zealanders and back home? Who do the press fear most? Who are the mo the main rival? Do yeah, they? Uh,
3: without a shadow of a doubt, South Africa and France. Um, not Australia. No, not really. Not England. No. Well, funnily enough, <laughs> there there's been some talk about England, but generally not. With Why South Africa and France be-
1: and not Australia? Who did? beat you of course well, I mean,
3: in Melbourne. I mean, we established it early in the show when you're talking about France, you don't know what you're really talking about. You know, it's hard to defend against a team that quite clearly don't know what they're doing. Um, <laughs> but you know, from 95 metres out, they'll sting you. So you you got to watch your back when France is in the room. South Africa, however, uh, one of these you know heavy elements in the rugby universe, they've always they've always been the other side to our coin. Uh, you could you know we'd like to think in New Zealand it's the traditional rival. So do
1: you think that the, the, the two ways therefore to, that New Zealand might lose might be some sort of brilliance from a team like France yes. or just something huge and you know a massive unit like the South Africans you know, you up front it, just pummeling?
3: The, I mean the way that um, uh, the Bulls uh, went through their season in the Super 14 is a very simple game plan long kick, hard chase, line outs in the corner, take it down, bang it up through the middle and they'll just drive for tries and they brought that that thought into the Spring Box uh, game plan for the Tri Nations, but a- it actually didn't work for them and it didn't work for them against the All Blacks twice. And the other thing I think, counting against the Spring Box, and it probably seems a wee bit weak, but I just get the feeling that on the bench they don't stack up as well as they could against the New Zealanders. You know, they just don't. Uh, Squad, the departure yeah. of a guy like uh, Pierre Spice, who is a freakish player, and it's an absolute shame. It's a travesty that he's not at this World Cup. because he they, would have been a tournament superstar.
0: I think they're also uh, looking like they might be missing Jean de Villiers, who got injured against Samoa, um, which would be so a bit of a blow for them. Always as well.
3: going to be the danger against a team like Samoa. Um, it's going to be a danger for England when they play Samoa. So, I mean, you played teams like this, and they will. You know, they may lose, but they can quite honestly they can win the scrap. You know, you could lose, you could get some really serious
1: things on the what, paddock against what, a team like that. What we always like to know is, and you can let us into the, the big Kiwi secret here: Do you target players? I'm just thinking about yeah, it. If you but only, the, South- only the good ones, so if you... England's got nothing to worry about. <laughs> well, like, we, we obviously go on about the O'Driscoll thing when, when he was playing for, for the Lions, but whether... Well, that, that could was... have
3: been anyone standing in that jersey, mate. Well, OK, whoever
1: it was. But if, say, you played South Africa, would you target Havana and say, we've got to stop this guy early?
3: Well, I'd say that be... to understand a little bit about how the All Blacks work is there's a lot of on-field analysis, and when guys come together, information's exchanged pretty freely and pretty frankly about what's going down on the paddock at the moment. Now, if someone from the opposition is starting to step up as a person that looks like an obvious threat, first thing you want to do is turn around and neutralise it as quickly and as effectively as you can. So if you want to call that targeting people, that's fair enough. But when the guy's got the ball... You chase them, don't you?
0: You you've got to catch a banner first, though. I, mean, I tell you what, he's absolutely. <laughs> this the bloke oh, who, hey,
3: mate, we've got Fijians on our wings. <laughs> this is this is
0: the bloke who uh, he was racing against a cheetah, didn't he? For um for a, yeah. for, for for well for for a promotional thing, I think it was. <laughs> the cheetah had to had to pull it out in the last few strides. I
1: understand. Cheetah had a good sidestep. step. Uh, blog thoughts. If you want to add your opinion to the mix, you go to blogs. Guardian. Co. Uk forward slash sport. Uh, just a selection of them. Lost Cause says, Interesting stuff you had last time in your podcast about Scotland or Italy throwing the game against the All Blacks and playing a second team. Looking at the fixture, it's certainly in Italy's interest to take it easy, just to make sure there are no slip-ups against Romania only four days later. Well, I don't know what Italy were thinking, but uh, whatever plan it was, it didn't work. Scotland, on the other hand, have almost a week to recover. If I were the uh, Italian coach, I'd be very tempted to let the All Blacks roll them over. I wonder if that was the plan. Musgrove uh, from Wellington in New Zealand says, there is no way professional rugby players from the so-called dominant nations will deliberately go to injure another player. A few reasons are, one, few exceptions, it's not in their nature, two, what's the glory, three, the sponsors wouldn't tolerate it, four, the coaches won't tolerate it. Well, uh, clearly,
3: Lou, he's living in a bubble, that Blake. Is he? Yeah.
1: Well, because he lives in Wellington. Yeah, I
3: would think that was the case. Yeah. <laughs> a, you, a latte bubble, I might add.
1: If you want to add your opinion, a windy one, if you want to add your opinion to the mix, blogs.guardian. Dot co dot UK slash sport. I've got one here for you, Rob. It says, uh, This is from Andy and Brum. He says, uh, I've got Hi, a I task am. for you and the other Guardian Observer podcasters in France. Uh, thought we'd challenge you guys to collect the best corporate freebies you can over the next few weeks
2: <laughs> so that we can give it away
1: to our listeners in time for the final. What sort of things can you pick up? As a journalist for free Cor- out there, corporate freebies. Well,
0: my wife's always telling me that I don't bring anything home anyway, so I wouldn't <laughs> have thought I'd, I'd be the ideal choice for uh, this particular one. Um, uh, we've got, we have got a six hundred page book on the history of Heineken which Ooh. Uh, Ooh, anybody's welcome anybody's welcome to have that Just if they the want if, if they want to come round here and uh, pick it up cuz uh, I'm definitely not taking it home but I'll, I'll keep an eye out.
1: What about something that you can put on the end of a pencil like the symbol for the uh, French World Cup or something like that? Oh, Anything I, like that? Do you know what I haven't even seen a mascot
0: they've got, Has a, they not got they, one? they've got a great big rugby ball stuck to the side of the Eiffel
3: Tower. Oh no don't talk about that mate it's New Zealand's. seriously <laughs> that, that's What New do you Zealand's. mean? New Zealand's putting a this, I'm sorry to offend my fellow countrymen and women, but it's the most nefarious idea that our nation could have come up with. It stinks. We're going to put a massive inflatable rugby ball at the base of the Eiffel Tower, and that's where we're going to entertain industry guests and corporate hosts, and this is... Unfortunately, my nation's idea of a good idea (laughs) joke.
4: (laughs) At least some of the English players might be able to catch that (laughs) ball.
1: I don't know.
3: Just
4: before we wrap up, let's
1: get another view of, or rather, a view of some of the other home nations and how they've done. They've all, George, they've all, you know, won their games, but they haven't really won very convincingly, have they? Or maybe Scotland beating Portugal fifty-six ten. Wales losing to Canada after fifty-six minutes, eventually winning forty-two seventeen, and the Irish winning against Namibia as well. And okay, I suppose is what you'd say.
4: And and okay, but f- too many errors. That the, the, the difference between the, the northern and southern hemisphere. In, that what in the first round of matches is is the the kind of the fact that. The southern hemisphere can put phases of play together without making errors and get the ball out quickly. You just look at it's Wales. It's so quick, isn't it? You just look at Wales, and the, and are just too many. There are too many basic errors being made, and and they, none. I don't think any of the teams look very convincing. I Rob- saw Ireland's first half, and they didn't look very good either, to be
1: honest. Rob, have you been convinced by any of the home nations yet?
0: Well, I, 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 I was at the Samoa-South uh, Africa game today, so I, I didn't get to see uh, much of their games today, only snippets. I mean, Canada, didn't they, gave, a, gave Wales a real good go in the first uh, 20 minutes, half an hour there, and now you'd love to have seen that go on for a little bit longer. Um, you know, Scotland and Ireland, well, they didn't have, again, far too early to judge, I'd say.
1: Jed, why are we so far behind you?
3: Uh, I, don't, I just don't think you put as much thought into it as we do, to be honest, to be blunt. Uh, the Southern Hemisphere system of rugby is built all around, creating pressure on a rugby paddock. To do that, you certainly need to move forward. Uh, skirting sideways or moving laterally, looking for space, probably isn't going to work with all these... Really highly developed uh, defensive lines, and we, you know, and we've got rugby league to blame a lot for that. Yeah,
0: yeah but we think about other things in uh, Europe. You see, we don't. We, yeah, don't, we don't think, think about, about scoring tries.
3: Clearly, mate. <laughs> no, well, no, we think. We think about. we, <laughs> think we think about think about playing about 100 we, minutes for a drop goal. We think rich, about art. We think, art. Lives, we, we <laughs> think about <laughs>
4: art
0: and literature, and
4: no, know. i mean, no, but it's fair <laughs> enough. It's yeah, well, a fair yeah, well, point. Yeah. But on, I, on that note, actually, can I just say that one of the things that back up what Jeb was saying earlier was that the real other reasons I don't. Fancy Australia is because I spoke to Stephen Larkham last week, and he didn't—he didn't know how many teams were in the World Cup. So that's... so therefore, they won't win the <laughs> World think, Cup. I think mean, that's a bad sign. Okay, really. well, I because no, I'm fascinated. <laughs> I, I, I spend... said, how many? How many? How many teams are there in this World well Cup, mate? <laughs> I said, there
1: are 20. That's what's called being focused, George. Oh, well, I can, I, I
0: can top that with speaking to Lewis Moody last week. He didn't know where the quarterfinals were being held. but where <laughs> England, uh, that's, a, that's a good one.
1: So if you were in charge, of, if you were in charge, Jess, finally, of, of well, clearly. English yes. rugby, yes. okay. and you're thinking, right, 2003, we obviously didn't learn the lesson. No. We didn't do what the All Blacks did and rebuild or whatever it was you did. What would you say to those in charge of English rugby to take it on
3: to 2011? Uh, to uh, I'd probably say, pull your head out of the sand. Let's get back to where everybody knows that English rugby's strong. Which is what? Which is the forward pack. You know, the absolute brutes of men uh, operating in English professional rugby. Uh, there's no reason why eight of them can't get together and decide to go forward down a rugby paddock. And I really think any game of rugby, no matter what level it's at, is always one up front. The contest is up front. Now, you need eight of the biggest, baddest men that that England rugby can provide to step out on the pitch and be prepared to be men in, uh, in the test rugby environment. And that's pretty much what it's going to take. And the
1: backs, do we bother?
3: Yes, yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you're given the chance, the, the tail's got to crack, you know. Uh, and, you've, and you've got to go for pace. But as well as that, you've got to go for sensibility. You've got to go for guys that who are under pressure are able to make good decisions when defensive lines are rushing at them. Uh, simply moving the ball along and looking for a little bit of space or looking for a guy to get on his shoulder means nothing. Prime example, Daniel Carter yesterday, uh, the chip kick over the top for the try, I think maybe the third try that the All Blacks scored. Now he had two guys positioned outside him, he had two guys swinging around the back, he had another guy back inside. So now that's nine options all up that he's got to play with. There's only four Italian defenders. They're looking at that scenario going down. The pitch and paint of them is like, oh, what a well, We've had today. New
1: Zealand coaches looking after British teams like Graham Henry, and it still hasn't made any difference. Well, I don't know. Lions. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not our problem, yeah. it's not a problem, mate. It's not a problem. Listen, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure talking to you. I hope you can come back, talk to us again. Thanks very much You're indeed, You're welcome. Jed. Thank you. Uh, thanks very much also to uh, George Chesterton from The Guardian and from Rob Kitson, who's in Paris, a chief rugby writer for The Guardian. And thanks to uh, all of you who've got in touch with us. And by the way, just to repeat how you can get in touch with us with your thoughts Anything, as long as it's to do with the Rugby World Cup, blogs.guardian.co.uk forward slash sport. Thanks again to our guests, to Rob, to George, to Jed, uh, and to uh, myself, I suppose I should thank myself, to Ian Payne. We'll be back in the next podcast, which you can hear in a few days' time. But for the moment, thanks very much for listening. Speak to you next time.
0: You've been listening to the Rugby World Cup show. Sponsored by Magnus. Time to play. Go to
2: magnuscider.com.